This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. There are a lot of new faces that I see today. A lot of faces of people that have been on vacation. Welcome home. A lot of people that are going out on vacation. And I just want to thank you for joining us. You know, summertime hits and uh, as it does, and it kind of hit a little bit late here in Oregon, did it not? And, uh, but it hit and people are on vacation and we encourage you on your vacations to go take those, av- those, those moments. I want to uh, let you know that uh, we have an exciting future ahead. Everyone say exciting. You know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there was a lot of anticipation that was robbed of us over the last two years as we went through the pandemic. Anyone feel some of the anticipation robbed from you? Excitement. Can I tell you that God's, God's still moving and God's doing some exciting stuff? Amen? Yeah. Well, I've got some of you that are excited. I say, God's doing exciting stuff, right? <laughs> we're excited for what God's going to do. And I want one of those, we have some great stuff coming up in the fall, and we're excited about that. But I want to draw one particular Sunday to you, July 24th. That's two weeks from now. We're going to have a really special, two special announcements that you will not want to miss. If you're not here, you want to get online and actually hear it. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind in, in excitement. So it's something that God's doing, something that God has answered prayer and just has, has uh, you, you know, when you can get excited when you know God has done something, that you make, you, you walk in obedience and you take the right, you take the right steps to make decisions, but when God orchestrates it, isn't that even that much more exciting? So I can tell you, we got some God orchestrated stuff that's coming, and we're going to announce that on July 24th. Uh, if you want to go to that first slide, go back to the picture if you want to, if you would right there. Uh, Allie and Trenton send greetings from Puerta Plata. Uh, this is called Pink Street, I guess, that's there, and the entire street is there. And he said, Dad, uh, let everyone know we miss them. Uh, they're on vacation. I said, you shouldn't be thinking about us. You're supposed to be on vacation. He goes, but I love my church. And so uh, uh, and I think we all can feel that way. I want to thank you also again, as, as Pastor Sasser said, and even on our video announcements, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness and attendance. You know, attendance is so important. Um, And I think that we uh, live stream as an alternative. And as we've discovered over the last couple couple years, it's a good alternative, but it's not, doesn't replace what's best. Amen. And so I want to thank you for your faithfulness being in-house. Uh, it's so important to be part of the body of Christ. It's so important to, to get, gain relationship. And if you're not here, get online. That's an alternative that's there. But thank you for your attendance. Thank you for uh, your giving, your faithfulness, and your, your, your helping us facilitate the mission of God. You're facilitating the mission of God every single time you give. You're, li- you're giving towards the end goal, and that's soul saved. That's for us to be able to do ministry, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your service. You know, as I look across here, there's a multiple people in this room that are in one ministry or multiple ministries, and uh, you, we stand up here and we do what we do on a Sunday, and oftentimes we can get the applause or the thank you, but can I tell you it's all there, that it makes it happen. And so thank you so very much for all that you do and you're serving. And then thank you also for getting rest. Uh, encourage you for your vacations. Go take a vacation. Go, don't vacate from God. But sometimes, how many know that it's spiritual that you unwind? It's spiritual that you get yourself apart and you have a quiet moment. So we we support those things. We just want you to come home when you're done. So if you're in town, come. You know, if if you're you're not on vacation, get your your rears here uh, because it's important. 
right? So I was going to say, get your B-U-T-T's here, but then my wife would go, Kevin, don't say that. So I didn't say it, I just spelled it, and some of you don't even get what I'm talking about, right? It went right over your head. Uh, we were talking about Wordle this morning. Anyone know about Wordle? Oh, I only have... Dude, we have got to convert you. If you're not a Wordle player, you are a loser. Just kidding, just kidding. I can spell that word too, L-O-S-E-R. Maybe you're just... <laughs> Oh, wow. We could use that in Quirtle, or Wordle. There you go. Uh, anyway, we come back and we go, uh, uh, well, I was talking, have you played Wordle? And they go, no, I don't. I suck at words. Well, hey, not everyone is as gifted as Julie with words. Uh, anyway, we're in the middle of a series. Well, not in the middle of. We're second, second sermon in. Last week, we had an amazing time with our uh, uh, fun day outside. And if you were present, we thank you for coming. It was a good time. Thank you for Mike and Heather who hosted us so well, prepared food and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, all, the, all the pieces that came together to get chairs set up. What a fun day. But we're uh, in, in, back in normal today, if we can call it normal. And we're talking about emotions. Everyone say emotions. Uh, I don't know what that word brings to you, what emotion that causes you to feel. You know, I can tell you that what I've realized is that emotions cause tension in us and they cause tension in others. How many have discovered that? That if you're feeling something, that oftentimes we don't display that emotion because we're afraid of what they're going to feel as a result of our displaying an emotion. Sometimes we're uncomfortable displaying the emotion because we don't want to feel the emotion. Anybody out there? So we have some that are, are very emotional and they will express the emotion and they don't care. We have some that are very reserved and pulled back in how they express their emotions. But this idea that emotions cause tension and it's a tension that we don't want to eliminate, number one, because God created emotion. You and I are created in the image of God, and emotion is part of God. God. God had emotion. God had compassion. God wept. He had sorrow. He had joy. We're talking about anger today, and God had anger. God has anger. The Scripture's filled with righteous anger. And so today, when we talk about the concept of emotions, if we want to, we want to, oftentimes we'll either go to a place of repressing those because we don't want emotions to run our lives, and in the process of repressing those emotions, we cause internal damage. We cause internal dysfunction in our lives. And so what we're wanting to do with the series is to help us uh, to process them appropriately. When I think of emotions, uh, uh, the premise of our series, emotions are not wrong, but you must guide them so they don't guide or derail you. You must guide them. And we learned two weeks ago about this idea of, of, of guiding. We looked at the, the eight basis, basic emotions of joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. We looked at this broader picture, if you want to go that, the, the wheel there for me, if you would, there you go, uh, of, of this, the multitude of emotions that are there. And you can see the eight basic that are the second circle out. But there are so many other emotions that come as a result of. There's a combination of emotions. We're trying to attack uh, four, of the, four of the ones that are in the circle there in this series will be done on the last week of July. But um, we've picked out some the prominent ones. And today we're going to be talking about the idea of anger. The definition of emotions is this. A conscious mental reaction. Everyone say mental reaction. When you feel emotion, the very first place that you feel or the first place you're going to recognize it is in your mind. The very first place you're going to be aware of it is going, oh, I feel joy. Oh, I feel sadness. Oh, I feel anger. Whatever that feeling might be, it's a conscious mental reaction, a strong feeling that arises spontaneously. 
We were created with emotions. Something happens and we feel joy. Something happens and we feel surprise. Something happens and we feel anticipation. Something happens and we feel anger. We feel these emotions and they're a spontaneous response. Oftentimes what we don't realize is that they're typically accompanied by a physiological and a behavioral change in the body. And this is why we want to bring this important topic to, to light in our lives because emotions create in us either a, a, a climate, whether we go into a room or not, and we are rain clouds or we're sunshine. We don't realize the physiological change and behavioral change oftentimes in our lives, and God wants us to be aware of those. Galatians chapter 5 says, but I say walk by the Spirit. Everyone say walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. One more time. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other. So when we look at our lives emotionally, we can either be guided by the Spirit or we can be guided by our flesh. We can, and how many know that your fleshly emotion is in opposition to your spiritual emotion? And many of us will entertain the physical fleshly emotion. We will cave to it because it's a pattern that we've acquired in our life rather than stepping back and going, no, I want to honor God. Spirit-guided people live in freedom. How many want freedom? Spirit-guided people live in freedom. But emotionally driven people live in chaos. If I were to take an opportunity this morning, a private poll, I would probably suspect that 55, maybe 55 to 65% of you would come back and go, no, I feel like my life is in chaos, not freedom. That might be, that might be a low percentage of what's in this room. Many times what I'm hearing as a result of the last couple years and even prior to is that our lives feel chaotic. Number one, because our emotions feel chaotic. Circumstances around us are changing continually, and we have to come back and go, am I allowing my circumstance to create chaos in my emotion, or am I coming back to a place of going, God, I want you to bring freedom in my emotion? How do I live out free? How do I live out uh, emotionally healthy with freedom rather than stepping into my flesh of chaos? Uh, so we looked at, first of all, we have to recognize our emotions. We have to identify those emotions. We have to investigate that emotion. Why am I feeling that emotion? Why, what caused me to feel this? Uh, going a little bit deeper, and then we have to come to a place of guiding that emotion. Like I said, we're not going through the whole spectrum of emotions today. We're going to, uh, through the series, we're going to just hit on four specific ones. But today I want to talk about why am I angry? Everyone say that today. Why? Am I angry? Why am I angry? You may come back and go, well, Pastor Kevin, I'm not angry. I don't feel angry. I never express anger. I don't have da, da, da. I want to say that I believe that everyone probably has anger in their lives from one time to another. How many know someone today? Don't point at them. How many know someone that, that, uh, that seems angry at times? Anybody? Well, you, wow, there's, there's no one that feel, ever feels angry. So you, you, what's that? Yeah, heads are bobbing. How, how many ever feel angry yourself? How many ever may not go to the place of anger, but you feel extremely frustrated and, and annoyed that society stresses you out? Maybe your children annoy you. Maybe your spouse annoys you. Don't point at them. Don't talk about that today. Uh, but whatever it is, there might be a, a tendency that we feel angry or dissatisfied or annoyed or disrupted in our emotions. 
There are a lot of people in our culture who are feeling annoyed, displeased, and hostile. Road rage is erupting in gunfire. Behavior on airplanes is much like an MMA match. School board meetings require police presence. School shootings across, or shootings across the nation of innocent people. Nurses across our, across our nation who are being outfitted with panic buttons. Vandalism and rioting is on a rampage. The murder rate has risen by almost half in 2020 and 2021. The highest, raise, the highest rate that it has ever, has, has ever risen. Physical assault during the presentation of the Oscars. Violence, anger, frustration, annoyance. A recent article in the Atlantic magazine revealed a study by crime and psychology experts. And it states this. People have become more disorderly, rude, and unhinged conduct has taken over our society. They become more, they become more, more, more disorderly, rude, and unhinged conduct has taken over our society. How many, how many can say, yeah, you've seen that? How many can say that maybe it's impacted your life, that you have been a little bit more rude and disorderly? Along with this article, it says, why is everyone angry? The study shows this, the three top reasons that people are feeling angry. Number one is that they're stressed out. They feel extremely stressed out by society and what's taking place. They feel overwhelmed by our culture. How many can be honest enough to say you felt a little bit overwhelmed? You feel a little bit stressed out, whether it's just circumstantially, your job, whatever it might be. Number two is substance abuse. Research has revealed that 78% of the angry behavior incidents have involved or involved somebody who's using and abusing substances. I would come and ask you today, are you abusing substances? But we're not going to want to be that transparent in this room. But I can tell you this, that that's an outcome of feeling like things are out of control. Your substance may not be alcohol, drugs, or cigarette, but you're out, your substance could be this thing right here. Your substance could be social media. Your substance could be food. I'll be honest and say, my substance, when I get stressed, when I, get it, when I feel in, inside, I go to food. Food is my comfort. The next thing that they reveal, the third point, is isolation. Isolation is a promoter of anger. The pandemic, the article says, the pandemic loosened ties between people. Kids stopped going to school. Their parents stopped going to work. Parishioners stopped going to church. People stopped gathering. Robert Sampson says this. He's a Harvard sociologist, a, a secular writer. So I want you to hear the, the, the words of the secular writer. He said, Robert, a Harvard sociologist uh, who studies social disorders, he says, we're more likely to break rules when our bonds to society are weakened. We're more likely to break rules when our bonds to society, when our relationships, when, our isol when we become isolated are, are weakened. When we become untethered, we tend to prioritize our private interests over those others in the public. Can I tell you that over the last two years, the things that I see, the things I've observed about myself as well as others, is we've become more self-absorbed, more me-centered than we ever have in society, and we were pretty bad before. He goes on and he writes this, we are moral beings to the extent that we are social beings. Moral beings to the extent that we are social beings, meaning the fact that we know right and we know wrong and we will behave right if we're attached to society in a healthy manner. 
In the past two years, he says, we have stopped being social, and in many cases, we have stopped being moral as well. As we look at our culture, can anybody step back and are you amazed or shocked or a little bit alarmed, maybe even angered uh, by the lack of morality in our culture, the lack of what's taken place? And as I come to this conclusion today uh, in a godly perspective from a worldly, worldly words, the heart of the issue is God created us as moral creatures who are acting immorally. Can I tell you that when God designed you in the garden, when he created man and he created woman, he created us with morality, with the knowledge and understanding of right and wrong. Amen? Amen. Today, you have an innate ability to know what is right and what is wrong. What you feed, if you feed the right, you're going to know the right better than you're going to know the wrong. If you feed the wrong, you're going to act more wrong than you're going to act right. How many know that's true? But we're created in the image of God, and God created us to be moral creatures who are now choosing to act immorally. And we can step back in our world, and we can look at our world, and we can go, well, just rightfully so. They don't know Jesus. But I want to come back and go, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? Can I tell you that whether it's stress, whether it's isolation, whether it is substance abuse that those are not permits for us to step into a sinful behavior of anger. We need to come back and go, God, I need you to shape me. I need to build my life upon you. How do I, how do I honor you? The reality is anger has always been a problem. It's always been a problem. We can look back all the way to the first book in the Old Testament. We're going to see anger, and we're going to look there in just a moment. All the way through Scripture, we see this issue of anger. And anger is a powerful emotion that's defined as this. It's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Today, we oftentimes will classify or categorize anger as, as uh, whether it's righteous or unrighteous, or we'll have our own definition. But what I want you to understand here is that anger is a sense of annoyance. Anger is also a sense of displeasure, and oftentimes it turns into a hostility, whether it's hostility towards self or it's a hostility towards others. One of the roots of anger in the Greek word is the, is the Greek word ankone, which, is a, which means a strangling. Think about anger and what it does. Think about anger and what it creates in you, the emotion that is there. This, this frustration and annoyance turns into a, a hostility where there's an anger, where there's a disruption, where you may feel like wanting to strangle somebody. But even more so than you wanting to do an action to someone else, can I tell you that anger strangles you? That just even though you feel anger, you are the victim of anger. You're also the recipient of anger in your life. As you feel it, you are also one that is being impacted by it. And oftentimes we think that our anger can be justified and all those things. We're going to look at that in just a second here. But the number one question that people often ask about is, is anger a sin? Is anger a sin? I'm just going to give you a straightforward answer and we're going to talk about it. Anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. Everyone say it with me. Anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. Today, when we talk about this concept of anger, I think that many times we immediately go to this place that anger is a sin. I can tell you, though, that anger can lead you to unproductive and very destructive sin. Anger, as we look at our world today, as we look at our culture today, has led people to very unproductive and very destructive acts of behavior, which are sin. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He says, in your anger, everyone say, in your anger. anger. He gives a definition, do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. The first thing that we see in this verse of scripture is that we actually have feeling to feel anger. We have permission to feel angry about a circumstance, about a situation, angry over injustices of life. But when Paul challenges us not to allow our feelings to manifest, but Paul then challenges, excuse me, challenges us to not allow our feelings to manifest into sinful behaviors. The Bible is teaching that there is a righteous anger and there is a destructive anger. And it's so important for us to understand this concept of where anger comes from and how it is there. He goes on, he says, if you're in your anger, do not sin. Don't let your anger cause you to do something that you know is not right. Don't let your anger lead you down a path that's going to cause harm to somebody else or harm to a situation. He goes on, he says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Do not give the devil a foothold. Can I tell you today, I don't believe that anyone in this room in the state of Oregon, maybe, you're, maybe you live out in the middle of the wild and you don't care, uh, but I, probably everyone in this room locks their doors at night. Everyone in this room, I don't know of anyone that's going to leave their door open at night, leave a crack in the door for someone just to enter in. When we talk about anger, when Paul's referring to this concept of anger, he's basically saying, don't shut your door. You're not shutting your door. You're not keeping your house secure. You're leaving it open so that anything can come in. And it says that the devil can put a foothold in that door. Today, when we think about this concept of anger, where we have probably all have been guilty of giving a foothold to the enemy, it impacts our marriage. It impacts our kids. It impacts our jobs. It impacts life. It impacts our emotions, right? All these areas that we give the devil permission to step into our house and do things that we would not want him to. We're giving him a place or a room. We're saying, oh, come on, devil, just move into my life. Move into my house. That's why anger is such an important topic. That's why anger is for us to recognize that this emotion is not an evil thing, but it is something that we need to pay attention to. Today, the majority of my sermon is going to be about the destructive nature of anger. Before I get there, I want to bring out the positive side of anger, the very fact that over a hundred times in Scripture, it refers to God who expresses anger. One of the ones in the Scriptures that I pulled out this morning was Psalms 7, verse 11, and it says, God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses His wrath every day, expresses His anger every day. I think where we come back and realize that what we need to understand is that God, God does not sin. God is not a sinning being. God is perfect, but God feels anger. We can see some characters in Scripture that also showed righteous anger, and one of those would have been Moses when he was angry over the golden calf. One of those was David when he came face to face with Goliath. Jesus himself demonstrated righteous anger throughout several situations in his life. We can come back and we can recognize that there are aspects for righteous anger. Let me define righteous anger is righteous when it does good or justice rather than harm. Anger is sinful when it does harm rather than good. Today, what I want to, I don't want to take a lot of time to spend on this because this is a whole other sermon in itself, but I want to challenge you with this concept. The majority of the time when you're feeling angry, it may start out as a righteous anger, but because you are a sinful being, it's going to turn into an unrighteous anger. How many have discovered that? You can be angry towards an injustice, and you want to do whatever it is towards that injustice, but in our emotions and in our, in our sinful nature, it quickly unravels and becomes self-absorbed. 
or agendized. And today what I want to caution you, this is why I want to focus more on the negative because we're going, to feel, we're going to feel the emotion of anger and I want you to see how to deal with it, how to recognize it, and uh, how, how, do we, how do we work through it. Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 8, we see a very common story. The story of Cain and Abel's. Uh, starting with verse 1, it says, Adam made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of the time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions for some of, uh, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his, and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. Everyone say very angry very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, everyone say, do what is right. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is, what is, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. We see a very uh, truth-telling story right here that's very transforming if we can understand. You know, as you come back and you just began to understand, number one, that sacrifice was already a part of it because God wouldn't be expecting them to do something that he had not informed them about. Many of us come back and go, the theologians come back and go, well, did they even know what, what right behavior was? And we have to come back and assume that God, who is a just God, God, who is a fair God, God, who is a loving God, had already informed them about sacrifice. There was a concept that they understood what the sacrifice was. Uh, you can also see that there's uh, a bit of sibling rivalry that's taking, on, taking place here. How many picked that up in the story? Cain, who is the older brother, uh, is the one who's being disapproved of by the younger brother who's spoiled and the favored child. If you're the younger child in the room, say amen. There's a little bit of sibling rivalry that's going on here. One that's acceptable, one that's not acceptable. One, both of them are striving. Can you see the, the weight behind all this? They're both striving to bring what's pleasing to God. They're trying to, I would probably even say that they're trying to please their parents. Who's going to have the best product? So there's a lot of emotion that's involved in this story if you kind of peel back the layers of it. But what we see in verse 5 and verse 6, but on Cain, uh, but on Cain as his, and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And God comes with this question in verse, uh, verse 6 that all of us need to evaluate in our lives. Why are you so angry, he said. Why is your face downcast? Meaning that there's a physiological behavior. There's going to be a change in your behavior. There's going to be something that's going to be revealing that there's an anger or frustration that is there. It's not just an external thing. It's an internal thing. How many know that God's specifically speaking to the heart and attitude of Cain? When we come back and we can go, well, a righteous anger is going to have the right heart and the right attitude and it's going to stay pure in it. An unrighteous anger is going to have a negative attitude and a wrong attitude, a wrong heart and a wrong attitude. And God comes in verse 7, he says, if you will do what is right, if you will do what is right, will you not be accepted? Today, the question that I ask you is, 
How many of us have not done what is right and suffered the consequences of what not is right, done what, doing what's not right? Today, when we think about this idea of anger, my challenge to you uh, as we walk through this emotion today is that you would understand it in a different level, that you would begin to function in a different level. Therefore, your relationships, therefore you with God, therefore you and yourself are going to be better off as a result. So number one today, I want to talk about the problem of anger. Anger is a problem because it's a gateway to so many other problems. Anger is a problem because it opens a door that if we allow the enemy into our lives, it can take us down a path that we don't want to go. We go back to the spirit-guided or emotionally driven. I can, uh, I can think back in times early on in our marriage, and Ron, between Ron and I, uh, who I love dearly, but who can frustrate the snot out of me. Anybody get that with a spouse? Right? Anybody, anybody have that, that chore that you're going, no, I love them dearly, and I'll lay down my life for them, but I might lay down their life before mine? Anger is a problem, but it's a gateway to bigger problems. The feeling of anger is not a wrong thing, but how we navigate that anger is a wrong thing. Anger is only one letter short of the word danger. Anger can cause great damage, not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you. Proverbs 26, 22 says, or 29, 22 says this, a man of wrath stirs up strife. And one given to anger causes much transgression. The problem of anger is it can turn from a righteous anger into a wrath and into a transgression really, really quickly. Anger can cause relational problems, loss of marriage, loss of family, loss of friends. Anger can cause major life problems, loss of job, lawsuits, damage of property, damage to others. Anger can cause emotional problems. If you're an angry person, it will impact you emotionally as well impact the people around you emotionally. Anger can also cause physical problems, high blood pressure, heart disease, headaches, stomach problems, ulcers, insomnia, and the list could go on and on and on. Anger is a problem. Anger is not one of those things that we really want to give freedom to in our lives. Number two, we need to understand anger. Unless we understand anger and how it works, we will have a harder time dealing with the problem of anger. Many of you today, this may be repeat to you, but it also may be new to some of you. And I'm praying that as we walk through these processes that God, through His Holy Spirit, triggers things in your life to help you, to give you tools. Understanding anger. Anger is a physical response. Proverbs 29, 22 says, anger, an angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. When we look at the Hebrew of hot-tempered, meaning the owner of heat, think about when you get angry. Think about when you get frustrated. What happens? You get hot. You feel the warmth go up your neck and you're like going, <laughs> fumes come out your nose. Neil Anderson says this, he describes anger in his book, Getting Anger Under Control. He says, the nerve center in your hypothalamus activates your emergency system, which constricts blood flow to your kidneys, intestines, and skin. At the same time, your brain sends a signal to your adrenal glands to pump large doses of adrenaline and cortisol into your bloodstream. Your muscles tighten, your heart beats faster, your blood pressure rises, the blood is directed away from your skin toward your muscles in order that you would facilitate a fight or flight response. 
Can I tell you today that God designed you that when you feel danger, when you feel angered, when you feel threatened, there's going to be a physiological response. God designed you that way. We should be aware of, we should be alert to that there's this physical response. And maybe the very first thing you feel, if you don't catch it, going, I feel angry, maybe you're going to feel your internal response and you're feeling the heat rise up and you're feeling this constriction take place. There's an alert to go, okay, I need to understand my anger. Anger is also a secondary emotion. What you need to understand is that anger is never primary. It's always a response to something else. Many of us overlook that, and we need to realize that the reason you feel angry is not necessarily because you're angry. You're you're angry because something else has happened. Anger is a symptom, not the real problem. When you start your car and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden your engine light comes on, there's a deeper problem to your car, not just you're running out of gas. You need to step back and go, what's wrong with my car? That red light of anger is a warning light for you to be aware of that there's something underneath the surface. The three primary triggers that we see that set off anger is number one is hurt. It could be physical hurt. I know that if you're like my wife and you get uh, physically hurt, jam your fingernail, if you're close, she's going to hit you. That's just her response. And I was like, going, hey, I didn't do that. Anybody else get hurt and you get angry? Anyone else get hurt and you react that way? But more so an emotional hurt. When you feel rejected, betrayed, unappreciated, unloved, treated unfairly, your response can be an anger. It's going to trigger an anger in you. It's going to stir something deeper within your life. So the anger is a response to those things. Another trigger is frustration. Whenever we run into unmet expectations, anyone in this room have unmet expectations? Whenever you run into an unmet expectation, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with a child, whether it's on a job, you have an expectation it's not met, even though it's a nonverbal expectation. Aren't we all guilty of those? An unmet expectation can turn into an anger. A loss of control can turn into an anger. Anybody get angry when you're in a traffic jam and just want to go get out of the way? Move your (laughs) B-U-T-T. My wife is hosting online and she's going to go, Kevin. (laughs) A third trigger is fear. Anyone ever feel fear? You know, fear and anger are very similar, or similar responses. You know, like someone come up, like Sasser is a pro. Zach, well, he's even a better pro at scaring the pahooties out of people. Just saying. <laughs> and uh, it creates anger. Talk about the hypothalamus going into action of fight or flight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick the crap out of you. <laughs> but anger is a secondary emotion. So when you're angry, you're angry, you need to step back and ask yourself, why is it that I'm angry? Why do I feel anger? Why am I feeling so tense inside? What is it? What, what's the underlying motive? Do I, am I hurt? Am I, am I hurt? Do I feel these actions? Do I feel fear? Do I feel frustrated? And why? Anger also has a behavior. There are three main types of sinful anger. Number one, an explosive anger. This explosive anger is much like a short fuse or a quick flare. Proverbs 29, 11 says this, a fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I don't know, anybody transparent enough to say, yes, you've had a, a short fuse and you blow that short fuse at times, maybe in your past? There's an explosive anger, and that explosive anger causes damage. There's a nurtured anger. 
This nurtured anger is more of a slow burn resentment. This nurtured anger exposes itself as a resentment. It keeps score. The person who nurses and nurtures their anger is usually marked by pouting, plotting, and self-pity. So we talk about an explosive anger, and we talk about this nurturing anger. And the last one is a buried anger. And basically, it's described as a time bomb that it will eventually go off. I can tell you that probably all of us in this room can affiliate with one of these types of anger, maybe multiple The buried anger is this, expresses itself as denial. I'm not angry, I'm just upset. Anybody guilty? I'm not angry, I'm just upset. Can I tell you, you'd be better off coming to a place of going, no, I feel angry right now, and this is why I feel angry. Expressing the fact that you do, rather than trying to bury something that is there. Many times we come back and go, well, buried anger is better than explosive anger. Buried anger is better than nurturing anger. No, they're all equally wrong if you don't handle them correctly. Proverbs 28, 28 verse 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. Who buries his sin? You're just going to create something that's going to come out later. So how do we deal with anger? Number three, dealing with anger. Either we learn to control our anger or our anger will control us. Either we learn to control our anger or our anger is going to control us. How you express anger is a learned response. Today I want you to understand that how we deal with it is a learned response. If you don't like the way you deal with anger right now, you need to unlearn and relearn. You need to step back and go, God, if this is not what is the righteous way to do so, how do I unlearn what I'm doing so that I can do the right thing? Anger is, a self, is self-reinforcing. The result reinforces our behavior. We have this blow-up of anger, whether it's explosive or nurtured or buried, and we, have this, this, we express our anger, and in that anger, oftentimes anger is a manipulation of somebody else. It's damaging to someone else and someone else's emotions. It's damaging to relationships. And anger is self-reinforcing, so therefore we get into a sinful pattern of going, if I show anger, then I'm going to get my way. If I show anger, they're going to back down. If I show anger, how you express your anger is a learned response. How you express anger is a chosen response. I want to just tell you right here now, no one can make you angry. No one can make you angry. So no, that's not true. Well, let me, th- let me ask you, how many have ever been in a heated discussion with somebody or with your spouse and the phone rings and sunshine and sweetness comes out? <laughs> Hi, this is Kevin. What can I do for you today? And you're going, yeah, sure. Am I right? Chosen response. James chapter 1, verse 19 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, everyone say every person. That means you, that means me, that means the person sitting next to you. Let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Everyone say quick to hear. That means are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you stirring a situation that you should not? Slow to speak. Be slow with your response. 
Can I tell you that oftentimes we know as spouses, we know as parents, what exactly we need to say that we can either cause an explosion or we can put out the dynamite. Am I correct? Is James wise or is James wise? Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, coming back to righteous anger and sinful anger, God's desire is that we would function in righteous anger, but he also understands our humanity and our frailties as unholy people. And James comes under the power of the Holy Spirit and he finishes up this statement. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can I tell you today that your sinful anger and my sinful anger does not produce what God wants in our lives. It's incompatible with the goal of God. When we function in wrong behavior, we're going against God's principles. So how as I finish here, I want to give you five steps of how you express anger as a godly response. How you express anger as a godly response. Number one, usually the hardest one, easiest step, easiest phrase, ask God for help. I think probably everyone in this room knows when anger is rising to the surface. Everyone in this room knows when the heat is there, when you're feeling a little bit frustrated. Ask God for help. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As I think about anger in my life, I have to come back and go, God, am I angry because I'm feeling hurt? And God, if I'm feeling hurt right now, I need you to heal that hurt. God, if I'm expressing anger in a wrong way, would you forgive me of my expression and help me to backtrack? God, help me not to bury, help me to process. Can I tell you sometimes, yes, processing with the person you're angry with or processing with a situation, but the person, the one you need to process with is him. He's the one that you need to let that anger out and let him bring healing in. Step number two is recognize anger early. Learn to recognize the warning signs early. Learn to recognize that you're feeling angry. Learn to recognize that it's not going to, it's going to turn from a righteous that you think might be righteous into something that's unrighteous. Proverbs 17, 27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Everyone say restraint. There's life, there's power in, there's power in words, the power of life and the power of death. We must use restraint. A man of understanding is even tempered. Coming back and understanding what anger can do, understanding your triggers to anger, understanding what it is that you're going to do in anger. Stepping back going, I'm not going to step into this pattern that I've always been in. Number three, resolve anger quickly. Resolve anger quickly. Learn to resolve your anger. I can be... As a younger individual, I was more explosive in my anger. It's what I saw as a pattern that I lived in. I can tell now that probably I'm less explosive, but I can bury. I know that my words could cause harm, so I bury because I don't want to speak the words in a wrong pattern. You can call it righteous if you want to, but really it's out of pity and self-preservation. I'll be honest, there's been times that Rhonda and I have gone to bed 
where she would want to work, to work it out, but I would go to bed angry. And all I was doing was leaving a door, thinking that if I wake up in the morning, everything's going to be better. How many have discovered that when you go to bed angry the night before or wake up the next morning, things aren't better? They're not better. They're not resolved. Learn to resolve it. I'll tell you this, pray about it before you talk it over. Pray about it. Everyone say pray about it. Pray about it before you talk it over. Too many times we try to talk it over before we pray about it, and you need to pray about it. And sometimes even better off praying together about it before you actually start talking it over. Resolve the anger quickly. Number four, practice forgiveness. Choosing forgiveness is choosing God's way. Choosing forgiveness. Again, anger is a secondary emotion, so there can be hurt, there can be frustration, you can feel rejection, whatever it might be. Choosing forgiveness. Choose forgiveness towards those areas. And how many know that you can choose forgiveness without even having a conversation with somebody? They don't have to come and say, hey, sorry for making you feel. Today in our culture, in our understanding of humanity, we're going, we have to have it all talked out. We have to have, no, there's a place that you can choose forgiveness. You can choose to forgive. Now, that's not trying to say that you're not going to work it out. But forgiveness is your responsibility. Lastly, this morning morning is we need to practice the fruit of the Spirit. We need to practice the fruit of the Spirit. We need to come back and go, Holy Spirit, I need you to develop in me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I need you to work those things in me. Can I tell you that all of those nine fruits are in complete opposition to anger, wrong anger? You're missing a fruit in your life. You need to take, you need to say, God, breathe into me, breathe life into me as I close. Anger never produces the desired result. It only further magnifies the problem. How many can say that in your own life? When you have anger, anger it just makes it bigger than it really is. You feel the wrong thing. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. But be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We think about this verse as we close here. Paul is speaking probably from experience, probably from knowledge to go, no, let, put, put away bitterness, put it off. You have a responsibility not to entertain it, not to feed it. Put away bitterness, put away wrath, put away anger, put away clamor and slander and malice. One translation actually says, and clothe yourselves with kindness. Everyone say clothe yourselves. Just like you got up this morning and you got dressed Can I tell you that every moment of our lives, we need to clothe ourselves with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. We just need to get up and go, God, I'm putting on kindness. Someone's, uh, I'm going to choose to be kind even if someone's not kind. How many have discovered that going out into culture today, people are the rude, unruly, and you can either let them get your joy and your kindness or you can let them aggravate and bring anger. It's your choice. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with forgiveness. I'm not sure where you're at in your anger spectrum, but I can tell you that there are 
seasons and moments in my anger spectrum. There's certain situations that create more anger in me than others. And we're not going to be the same. Your anger triggers are going to be different than my anger triggers. But I can tell you that anger is an emotion and we all will feel it. And I would love to say today that we, let's practice righteous anger. But I know the frailty of humanity and oftentimes we will go to the unrighteous aspect of anger before we go to the righteous aspect of anger. So rather than going, let's just be righteous in our anger, I want to tell you how to deal with your anger. I want to tell you how to deal with your anger. Today, you need to clothe yourself with kindness. Today, you need to clothe yourself with compassion. Today, you need to clothe yourself with forgiveness. It needs to be something that you may have to put on over and over and over and over again. We need to put off the anger. It comes, we put it off. Put off the wrath, put off the frustrations. Would you stand to your feet this morning as I pray? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Kevin, I have struggled with anger. Or I'm struggling with anger. Would you raise your hand to him today? Thank you. Just across, would you just keep him up? God, today we come. God, I come standing with both hands raised because, God, there are times that I feel angry. There's times I feel it rise within me. God, today we want to be obedient to your word that was inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit into Paul's words where he says, put off these things. God, today we put off anger. Come on, would you say it today? God, I put off anger. I put off malice. I put off the uh, uh, clamor and slander. I put off uh, wrath. God, these things that rise up within us where we might feel self-righteous. We might feel self-justified. God, we put them off today in the name of Jesus. And God, just like under the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us what to put off. He tells us what to put on. And so God, today, right now, we put on, we put on, we put on kindness. Come on, say, I put on kindness. I put on compassion. I put on forgiveness. Come on, I put on kindness. I put on compassion. And I put on forgiveness. God, today we want to feed the right thing and rob food to the wrong thing. And God, today I pray that you would pour into us a desire, God, to please you and to honor you in all things. God, I pray across this room, God, that you would make us aware, make us alert. Help us to recognize. Holy Spirit, teach us. And God, I pray that you would give us the ability to properly handle this emotion of anger. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming today. I hope to see you next Sunday. We're going to have an exciting, exciting day. Uh, have, a, have a great afternoon. Greet someone on the way out. Make sure you have some community of shaking hands with one another. You're dismissed. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.